Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're doing well. And if you're doing like I am, you are, um, how do I say this, settling in perhaps or um, more uh, convinced that this coronavirus, that this pandemic that is upon us, that has killed so many people and will kill more, we know, that has spread so rapidly is a chastisement from God. I absolutely believe that. Um, I know there were those, even bishops, who have said that's not the God we have. It is the God we have. The God that we have is the God that sent his son to die for us. And you say, what parent would put his son to death? That's not a good parent, you see. But God, our Father, is the best parent. And he so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So yes, the father sent the son to die for us. But we, not the Romans, not the Jews, they were the actors. They are accountable to whatever degree they are, which God alone knows. But it's we who put him to death. He came to die for sin, for our sin. And just like the Hebrews of old, we keep turning from God. And at the moment, the world has told God it's not interested in him. It wants to do its own thing without God. It's, it's the sin of Adam and Eve. They wanted to be like God without God. They wanted to do it their way. I've said it before, Frank Sinatra only put music to the words, I'll do it my way. It originated with Adam and Eve. And so you can, again, I said yesterday, you can be irate, you can be angry, you can say that it's wrong for the churches to have been closed, for the bishops to allow this and all of that. The point is, it's of God. I believe it is of God. And it's his chastisement for us. We can blame whom we want, but we are the culprits. We are the sinners. We it is who have turned from God. Uh, Peter Kreef said, how is it that um, how many Christians in the first century were converted uh, by 12 uh, disciples and a half a billion uh, Christians cannot repeat the feat? Why is that? Because we're not going out to all the world and giving them the only message that will get them to heaven. We are staying to ourselves in our, and we've become uh, in the world and, uh, and of it rather than in the world and not of it. And so I'm speaking as a people. It doesn't accuse every individual, but there's no individual that's excused because God sees us as a people, just as he saw Israel. We are the people of God and we are responsible and so many times in the Old Testament, God sent plagues that killed off thousands and thousands of people. Um, and uh, they 
repented only for a time and then went back again to turn from him and complain. And we've done the same no matter how much he's given us. So this is a time of penance. And I think at this stage, we've been shocked with the church's clothes, with no Eucharist. We're in agony over it. We're in pain over it. Um, we've not known such a state. But uh, I think... Now that the initial shock is over, um, we can look at the situation and say the enemy is us. We have not lived the lives to which God has called us. Many religious haven't lived those lives. Many clerics, clergy, clergy have not lived those lives to which they've been called. It's obvious because of the state of the church. Between the clergy and the lay, it's obvious that we have not lived the life God has given us. And whatever complaint you have in mind, if you have a complaint, your complaint might be legitimate, but I think at this point we need to turn to virtue and we need to humble ourselves, as God said in Chronicles to Israel when they were surrounded by enemies. I think I quoted this a few days ago or last week. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayer and I will hear their heal their land. And I think we're there. We need to humble ourselves and pray. We need to not give up. We need to not go into despair or despondency or depression. We need to own up as adults uh, to our failure and to not speaking out when we've seen others fail. Friends we have that are living a life of immorality and we've not corrected them. We've not spoken to them. We are at fault. We are at fault, beloved. So um, I, I fully accept this as from God. I can, I can ask for certain things. I can fight against certain things that I think are wrong or immoral. But the bottom line is God has allowed this. And um, uh, normally the, the evil, uh, the turning away from God comes from his people. I, and I shouldn't even say normally. It's always been the case from his people. And the entire people suffer, uh, not just those who have done wrong. The entire people suffer. And in our case, I would, I would venture to say it's the majority of us through abortion, which again, you cannot tell Catholics in the world apart from non-Catholics by statistics. We have as many abortions as non-Christians, non-Catholics. We have as many divorces, um, and I, there might be other things, but those are the two big ones. Marriage, uh, abortion, you can't tell Catholics apart from anyone else. We're no longer a witness to the world. We're no longer a witness to the world. In fact, we are a blot on the world. We are a disgrace to the name of God. We, we are, you and I, the Catholic people. I'm not even speaking as Christians as a whole. We are a disgrace to the name of God because you, can, you cannot tell Catholics from the rest of the world. You cannot tell. The reason we are so often the subject of news broadcasts is just that, because one priest after another is accused, and um, one uh, bishop after another um, 
uh, comes out with a statement that is fully against church teaching. Um, it, it, it's it, the people we elect, uh, the people that have put um, certain presidents in office and other uh, people in office are largely Catholic. And it's, it's I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. When I first read the scriptures, um, when I first became a Christian, I read through the, the Old Testament from, from Genesis uh, right through. And I got to Genesis, I think it's chapter 18 or maybe 20, where Abraham, uh, where King, um, oh, how could I not remember his name? But at the moment, I don't. The king um, wanted Abraham's wife, Sarah, and he came for her. And uh, Abraham told the king that Sarah was his sister. Now, that's a half-truth. She's his half-sister. That's another story. Yes. Uh, in the beginning, Adam and Eve had children, and they needed to marry to to uh, populate the earth. But um, uh, Sarah was his half-sister, but she was his wife. And... Um, but... Uh, Abraham told the king, oh, I, I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name now, um, that Sarah was his sister, not that she was his wife. Why? Because if Abraham told the king that Sarah was his wife, the king would kill Abraham to have his wife. But if she's his sister, he could do what he want. So the king uh, took uh, Sarah into his home, and it was God who protected Sarah uh, a God or an angel appeared to the king in the middle of the night and said, don't touch this woman. She's Abraham's wife. Don't touch her. And he, he obeyed. And he went back. He brought Sarah back the next day. And he said, why did you lie to me? Why did you tell her me that she was your sister, not your wife, all of that? You see, and I read that the first time. And I hadn't read it before. I hadn't read it in my Jewish background. Oy vey. I had not read it. And I never knew it. And I sat there with a totally red face. I was so embarrassed. This is my father, Abraham, our hero in the faith. Our father, Abraham. I sat there in a chair all alone in the apartment. And I said, Abraham, shame on you. You did that? I didn't know you did that. And then I was reading it in the scriptures. And I said, what? It's published. The whole world's going to know you knew that. We can't even... Your dirty laundry is out before the whole world. That's how I felt. It may seem funny now, but it wasn't funny then. I was in agony. I wanted to keep it a secret. And I couldn't because it was published. Who would publish that? Who would publish a family's dirty laundry for the whole world to know? And then you know what? His son Isaac did the same. His son Isaac did the same. Like Papa... Oh, how awful it is. And we're doing it now. We are living in debauchery. And we are spreading our dirty laundry as Catholics. I don't even say as Christians in general. I can't uh, account for non-Catholic Christians and their lives. But no one has been given more on the earth than us Catholics. And we are dishonoring God left and right. There's the music for our break, beloved. I'll be right back. We'll be back right after the break. Don't go away.
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at one 877-511-5483 or email her at mother at the station of the cross.com. Welcome back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. We have um, this is our second segment and right at the half hour we'll go to your calls, your emails, your um, text as well, and you can call in or text. I'll give you the number ahead, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I um, would like to read to you we, we will not get through it today. Uh, I'll I'll read part of it today and the other part tomorrow. It's Cardinal Raymond Burke's um, reflection, his message on the holiest week of the year, which we are in now, Holy Week, which began with Palm Sunday, or in the old rite, it's called also the Second Passion Sunday. And he writes this. Now you're gonna. Uh, I've been talking about our responsibility for the evil in the world today. That we have not countered it by by being salt and light. Um, and of course, the cardinal now will bring in uh, the enemy, which who is behind it all, no question. Um, cardinal Burke writes, dear friends, from the beginning of my service as bishop of a diocese. It seemed that every year, as the celebrations of Christmas and Easter approached, there would be a profoundly sad event in the diocese or difficult crisis to face 
for the good of the diocese. Just as I was anticipating with joy the celebrations of the great mysteries of our salvation, something would happen, which from a human point of view put a dark cloud over the celebrations and called into question the joy they inspired. Once when I commented to a brother bishop about this distressingly too regular experience, he simply responded, it is Satan trying to steal your joy. It makes sense that Satan, whom our Lord describes as a murderer from the beginning, a liar and the father of lies, wants to hide from our eyes the great realities of the incarnation and redemption, wants to distract us from the liturgical rites, R-I-T-E-S, through which we not only celebrate those truths, but receive the immeasurable and unceasing graces they have won for us. Satan wants to convince us that loss and death and the sadness and fear which naturally accompany them show Christ to be false, falsify his redemptive incarnation, and show our faith and the joy it naturally inspires to be a lie. But it is Satan who is false. He is the liar. Christ, God the Son, indeed has become man. He has suffered the cruelest passion and death in order to redeem our human nature, to restore to us true life, the divine life, which overcomes the worst sufferings and even death itself and brings us surely and safely to our true destiny, eternal life with him. Beloved Cardinal Burke wrote this for this Holy Week. He just wrote it. This is not from years ago. This is right in the midst of our present crisis of suffering. Cardinal Burke says, St. Paul, in the face of so many profoundly discouraging trials throughout the course of his apostolic ministry, culminating in his martyrdom at Rome, wrote to the Christians of Colossae, quote, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Many of you know that's Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, if you'd like to look it up. For him, um, as it should be for us to suffer with Christ for the church, for the love of God and our neighbor, is the unassailable and unfailing source of our joy. It is the highest expression of our communion with Christ. God the Son incarnate, sharing with him in the mystery of the divine love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The life of Christ, the grace of the Holy Spirit poured forth from Christ's heart to dwell within our hearts, inspires and strengthens us to embrace loss and death with his love, which conquers them and transforms them into eternal gain and the life without end. Our joy, then, is not some superficial pleasure or emotion, but the fruit of love, which is strong as death. That's from the Song of Songs, which many waters cannot quench, neither can floods drown it. 
our joy does not take away the sharp sting of loss and death, but with confidence and courage faces them as part of the lifelong combat of love which we are called to wage during this life. After all, we are, by God's grace, true soldiers of Christ in the sure knowledge of the victory of eternal life. Thus, at the end of this life, St. Paul could write to his spiritual son and fellow shepherd of the flock, St. Timothy, quote, For I am already on the point of being sacrificed. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. If you hear that loud sound, beloved, it is jets flying over. We're very close to the airport, and those are fighter jets flying over us. End quote from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Cardinal Burke continues, We love our Lord. We love the redemption, the redemptive incarnation by which he is alive for us in the church, and thus we are joyful in fighting the good fight with him, in staying the course, no matter what trials we face, and in keeping the faith when the father of lies tempts us to doubt Christ and even to deny Excuse me. Satan has perhaps never had a better tool than the coronavirus for stealing our joy in celebrating the holiest days of the year, the days during which Christ won for us eternal life. How he would like to take the holiness from the one week of the year, which is known simply as Holy Week. The current international health crisis caused by the coronavirus, COVID-19, continues to reap a tragic harvest of loss and death, engendering profound sadness and fear in the human heart. Certainly Satan is using the suffering which has beset so many homes, neighborhoods, cities, and nations to tempt us to doubt our Lord and the faith, the faith, hope, and love, which are his great gifts to us for our daily living. The effect of Satan's murderous intent and his lies is made all the greater when we are far from the Lord, when we have taken his life within us for granted, when we have even abandoned him as we pursue passing worldly pleasures, conveniences, and successes. In the church herself, the cardinal says, we have witnessed a failure to teach first Christ as Lord. How many today are suffering profoundly from a useless fear because they have forgotten or even rejected the kingship of the heart of Jesus in their hearts and homes. Remember the words of our Lord to Jairus, who sought his help, Christ's help for his dying daughter. Quote, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. How many today are without hope 
because they think that the victory over the evil of the coronavirus, COVID-19, depends totally on us because they have forgotten that while we must do all that we can humanly to uh, all that we can humanly do to fight a great evil, God alone can bless our efforts and give us the victory, the victory over loss and death. It is so sad to read documents, even documents of the church, which purport to address the most important difficulties which we face and to find them to find in them no acknowledgement of the Lordship of Christ, of the truth that we depend completely upon for our being, for all that we are and all that we have, and that therefore prayer and worship are our first and most important means of combating any evil. Some days ago, Cardinal Burke writes, some days ago, a young adult Catholic said to me, as if it were a matter of logical fact, that he would not be celebrating Easter this year because of the coronavirus. If the joy of our Easter celebration were simply a matter of good feelings, then I understand his sentiment. But the joy of Easter is rooted in eternal truth. The joy of Christ, what a statement, huh, beloved? He won't be celebrating Easter because of the coronavirus. I can't imagine any Catholic saying that or feeling it, or thinking it. The joy of Easter is rooted in eternal truth, the victory of Christ over what clearly looked like his annihilation, the victory won in his human nature for the sake of the same victory in our human nature. No matter what hardships we may be suffering, if we believe in Christ, if we trust in his promises, then we must celebrate with joy his great work of the redemption to celebrate the mysteries of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection is not to lack respect for the suffering of so many during the present time, but to recognize that Christ is with us to overcome our sufferings with his love. Our celebration is a beacon of hope for those whose lives are severely tried and invites them to place their trust in our Lord. Take time today, he says, the Cardinal says, take time today to reflect on the true royal welcome which you have extended to Christ in your heart and in your home. Read again the account of his entrance into Jerusalem and of how after his triumphant entry, he wept over Jerusalem with the words, quote, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. O beloved, to me, those are the saddest words in all of Scripture. How often have I gathered your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Would I have gathered your children? But you would not. You would not. There's the music for our break, beloved. Our lines are wide open. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart. one 511 
800-585-5483. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. Hi, this is Terry Barber from The Terry and Jesse Show. Every week we bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. We want you to know Jesus and his bride, the church. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in each week. We love it when you join the conversation at 888-526-2151. It's The Terry and Jesse Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And again, the lines are open, and I'll give out the number once more. Um, toll free to call or text one 511 5483 or email at mother at We have an email from Yvonne. We actually took half of this yesterday, and I promised I would finish it this morning. Um, Yvonne writes, Dear Mother, a quick question. About a week ago, you explained on your show that the Sacred Heart devotion is the highest form of devotion in our church in terms of prayers. And I did say that is apart from the Holy Mass. There's no prayer higher than that. I agree with you, she says, until I thought of the divine mercy and um, with all the merciful gifts we get from this devotion, would this not be the greatest devotion? Thank you, Mother. I value your opinions so much and your teachings and then she has a second question but i answered this first one yesterday and said no there's nothing greater than the sacred heart i keep repeating our lord's words that heart that has so loved the world and is so little loved in return um 
uh, but it is it is uh, the mercy, his mercy uh, and love that pours out of his sacred heart. So, yes, mercy is his greatest attribute, but it's because of his sacred heart. Um, so, no, that is still number one devotion in the church that he gave to St. Gertrude the Great and almost a thousand years later to St. Margaret Mary to spread. He appeared to them both on the feast of St. John the Evangelist, and they asked why. Um, and our Lord said it's because of the beloved who leaned on his breast at the Last Supper. Um, uh, came the devotion from the Sacred Heart. So, yes, and, and uh, let's see, Yvonne says, on a different note, I am not a daily mass goer, but now that it is not available, it is hard. You see, isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing, beloved? I, I, I once said, I think last week, like little dogs, they don't want their biscuits until we're going to take the biscuits from them. I'm not comparing um, the Eucharist to a dog biscuit, but actually Bishop Sheen did. He said God became a dog biscuit for us. That's how low he condescended, condescended. he became our food. Um, uh, Yvonne says, I would like to attend Mass daily. However, God is wonderful. I live in the central coast of California, and at 5.30 a.m. I virtually attend a lovely Mass in Pasadena. I hope to attend Mass in Ireland at Knock. They have a live webcam, too. Finally, I can attend Mass in New York at St. Patrick's on their webcam. We have so many beautiful churches in the world. I thought this was a ray of hope for all of us. So many churches have prayers and the rosary live. Many thanks again, Mother Yvonne. Well, when you watch, you're not attending Mass. It's not equal. It's not the same. Um, but it is a very wonderful uh, thing to do, and it is uh, counseled that we would do that because we can pray through the Mass uh, with the priest and we can make uh, a spiritual communion, and it's very, very wonderful. Um, we have a, a call from Joan, Joan in New Jersey. Hi, Joan. Hi, how are you? I'm great, and how are you? Very good, thank you. Thank God. Go ahead, I can't hear you. Can you go? go I, can you hear me? Yes, I'm waiting for your yes, question. Go ahead, honey. That's all right. I just wondered. I haven't been able to see all your broadcasts, Mother, but I was wondering if you had reminded people that Good Friday begins with Divine Mercy Novena. Oh, God bless so you. So many graces flow from that. Yeah. Um, and because I'm elderly, I especially remember the one that uh, Christ said that. Uh, if this is said at the dying, if the chaplet is said at the dying, uh, bedside of the dying, that he would, um, that he would stand between that person and the Father, not as a just judge, but as a merciful Savior. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, Joan. I'm, I, it's a gift that you called in to, to remind us of that. So absolutely, this Good Friday, when we'll all be fasting and uh, observing abstinence. Um, and being with our Lord on the day that he was put to death and buried. Um, uh, with, with that, what greater picture of his mercy as Good Friday? What greater picture of his mercy for us? Um, I mentioned once before, Joan, that someone had said that grace, and it's true, grace is the, it's the very life of God. It's God giving us what we do not uh, deserve, 
we deserve death and God in his grace gives us life. Mercy is God's not giving us what we do deserve. And there's no greater, which is death. There's no greater picture of that than Good Friday. We deserve the death he took for us and he took it. So he didn't give us what we do deserve. There's no greater picture of his mercy than that. Okay, Joan. God bless you, dear one. And uh, a holy... novena, sister. Will you remember the novena? Will Uh, I remember the novena? No, will you remind us? Oh, you mean on Friday? Uh, No, I mean now. Remind us that it's coming. Oh, no, you have. You have, and I agree with you. On Good Friday, we have, Joan. Yes, you have reminded everyone. I've thanked you for your gift for calling in on that. The novena for Good Friday begins on Good Friday for um, Divine Mercy Mercy. Sunday. uh, Right, God gave that to the world through St. Faustina, and you can look up online um, and download or read on the computer the novena all nine days. God bless you, Joan, and thank you so much. Um, We have Ashley calling in from New York. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Hi, dear. How are you doing? Um, I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm okay, too. Awesome. Go ahead, sweetie. Um, so I, I listened to your video about the Pope and humanism and um, and everything that's going on with the, everything in the world right now. So what does that mean for Christians? It says the video said it would wipe out Christianity. What does that mean? Well... God will wipe out Christianity himself if we don't repent. Um, Whatever you're doing on your end, Ashley, is coming through on the microphone. So um, just so you know, those little noises come through. Um, It means that if we don't repent, we'll perish. What I mean at the time, what I meant wiping out humanism, is we go forward with a one-world religion, a one-world global market, a one-world government. Um, it's going to become a socialism, dictatorial, and there will be no Christianity in that. There will be, it won't be allowed. Um, but God's going to come back, Jesus. Oh, right? yes, sweetheart. And I don't believe God will ever let it be wiped out like that. I'm just saying if that succeeded, it will not. But if it, succeed, it might succeed in part for a time, but God said the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. We do, as, as Catholics, dearest Ashley, as Catholics who live our faith, we don't have to be afraid of anything because God said that the church will, um, the gates of hell won't prevail the church and he will lead it into all truth till the end of time. So even if the enemies of the church through Satan himself, um, uh, allow this globalism to socialism to proceed, um, it will never, ever wipe out the church. It will never. The church has come, uh, gone down in number to very few. And if you read the history of the Old Testament, God has always had a remnant. And it is that remnant from Israel on which the church was founded on 12 men and, and the prophets uh, and apostles. So um, even if we become a remnant, an underground church, 
the church will will last till the end of time into all eternity there's no question ashley and there's no reason whatsoever excuse me there's no reason whatsoever for any catholic to fear uh I, when i say that the humanism it 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 eliminates christ uh we no longer follow christ we follow fallen human reason and that's what i mean and if we did that Christianity would be wiped out, but I'm talking in general because they won't tolerate it. But Christianity will never be wiped out, just as it has not been in China, despite the destruction even of the underground church. God will always have his faithful. He will always have his church. And a promise we have, Ashley, is that the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady will not could, will triumph. There is not a moment for a second of fear. But as these things happen and as we hear them, we need to combat them with the faith. We can't say it's a good thing and we can't ignore it because it, it's the church that holds a lot of this evil back. So as far as kids, I have kids, children pregnant and one three-year-old. God bless you. How do I keep them... How do I, cause I, I mean, I'm not Catholic. I believe in Jesus. I apostolic but how do i keep them in jesus with the world and the education system going the way it's going ashley you've just stated in one question the theme of the last several months of these programs the same way israel kept going from the home god has established the home as the um, nucleus as the domestic church, as the key to civilization is the family, not the church, not the schools. The church will, the church is Christ. He is the head. We are his members. But the world is growing more evil by the day. And people are talking about whether or not to homeschool. And my point, dear Ashley, is every mother homeschools from the moment she conceives. You, you are homeschooling your three-year-old. You are homeschooling the little baby in your womb. You are teaching those children from home, from your heart, from your life that you would give for them. Every single moment they're alive. You're protecting them when they sleep the way God protects us when we sleep. You're teaching them. You're, maybe your three-year-old, you're beginning to teach uh, ABC. I don't know. They're books for three-year-olds. You're teaching them at home. And my point, Ashley, is when they're five and six year old, don't give that up. Don't turn them over to the world. Continue to teach them at home. Continue to do that. It's not a question of whether uh, parents will homeschool. It's a question of how long and when they will make the decision to turn their children over to a world that is growing increasingly evil, even in many Catholic schools. And many Catholic schools and private schools are good, but we have to know that for sure. We need to right. teach them the faith at home. We need to pray with them. We need to read the scriptures to them. We need to be Christian in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we don't do and say. Right. Okay. Does that make well, sense, you. sweetheart? Yes, Ashley. Yeah. God bless you, honey. And don't don't have fear because your children will pick that up too. 
and you'll be uh, weakened in your ability to teach them. Uh, you raise them uh, with every belief you have, compromise absolutely nothing, either throw your TV out or make sure everything they watch is for them. That, that's okay. what I'm saying. Be in the world okay. and not of it. All right, sweetie. Awesome. Okay, God bless you, Kath, uh, Ashley. All right. And there's the music for our break, beloved. Again, feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. And we'll be right back, beloved. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Are you ready for full-contact Catholicism? This is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show. Each weekday, we're talking about the things that matter to Catholics. Spiritual warfare, Marian devotion, tradition, and staying strong in your faith in this culture of death. I hope you'll join us. Give us a call during the show at 888-526-2151. It's the Terry and Jesse Show. 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Heard around the world on the iCatholic radio app. The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Not only women being hurt by abortion, but men being hurt by abortion. If you've got a Y chromosome, you just have to shut up and pay for the abortion. Last time I checked, and I'm no biologist, but it takes two to tango. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for the Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. Um, and uh, we have about 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open. You're very welcome to call in, toll free or text one eight seven seven five one one 
888-528-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Tanya who says, Dear Mother Miriam, I just found Station of the Cross not too long ago. I am a convert to Catholicism and work as Director of Spiritual Care at a Catholic nursing home, and I was hoping to find some communion with others through the Station of the Cross. But I was appalled this morning to hear you urge bishops. Now, this is a while back, but... but but this is a podcast she listened to. But I was appalled this morning to hear you urge bishops to allow people to gather for Mass and to criticize them so deeply for their decision. Are we so entitled as to think that our receiving our precious Lord in the sacrament each week is worth the lives of so many? Think of all the times and places throughout history and even today when weekly, let alone daily, communion was impossible for so many faithful Catholics. Yet we privileged ones cannot make this same sacrifice out of love for God's people. Locally, a communion minister defied this order and caused the death of eight people and she died herself as she was a carrier of the virus. Do you want the death of thousands to be at the hands of our bishops and pope? I am so saddened by what you broadcasted. Imagine if I went to Mass and caught the virus and then brought it into the nursing home where I work. So many lay and sisters, lay people and religious might die. How incredibly selfish this would be. Peace, Tanya. Tanya. Your email came at a perfect time. Uh, I need to say that I agree with you. I wouldn't have a while back because perhaps my heart was too selfish. Um, We are saying that to uh, keep the Eucharist, the Mass, from the faithful is actually unlawful. It's against canon law of the Church and all of that. Those are certain facts, however. Um, I was listening to Dan Burke and his wife, Stephanie. Many of you know that Dan, uh, the founder of Avila Institute and now Apostles of the Way, he had been the editor of the National Catholic Register, spiritualdirection.com, convert to the faith, a wonderful man of God, and his wife, Stephanie, a wonderful woman of God. And Dan was fighting on on a um, respirator, for um uh he was fighting for his life he was almost dead with the coronavirus which he picked up at an airport um his wife did too but hers was less serious and dan said um uh i was surprised at this but dan said he agrees with um not distributing communion with uh with mass not being held in public he agrees with that um because of how unbelievably contagious this is um and so he sees it as an act of charity to not go to mass um and so um i listened to dan and i was surprised by that and I saw uh, the heart of a saint on earth, 
and he won't like me to say that, but um, as someone living their Catholic life as, as much as we would hope to, and yet he sees that, that it would be uh, dangerous to others for us to go and receive the Eucharist. So, um, of course, he made me think through more, and um, I've heard so many stories of people going and receiving uh, the Eucharist and uh, then getting ill. So, uh, Tanya, I know you didn't expect me to agree with you, and I didn't expect to agree with you, but I did. But I do. I do. And so many people may be shocked. They were shocked when I asked you to beg your bishops, and now you may be shocked at me also because we put the Eucharist first. We do. But there are years through persecution, many, many years, if you listen to the conversion story of Bishop Athanasius Snyder and many behind the Iron Curtain and all of that, they they did not have access not only to the Eucharist but not to priests even. Maybe once a month I spent three weeks in Vladivostok and, and the whole Primorsky reason, a region went to, to uh, five hours to go to reach one people uh, who um, would have the Mass once a month. The five priests that uh, would serve that whole region once communism fell. And the people had Mass once a month if the priests got there by car, by train, or by plane. And so um, we've become spoiled. We're so used to what we think is our right. Nothing's our right. And um, uh, Tanya, thanks for your email. I agree. I agree. We should not be angry. And uh, no, I'm not speaking against the bishops on this. Um, And... um, what else? There are bishop, There are priests who are doing very creative things in parking lots, um, and I, I, I love that when I can see it. Um, but most especially, um, most important, uh, even more than reception of the Eucharist, because we can make spiritual communions, more important is to be in a state of grace. And I personally see nothing more important than being able to go to confession, especially this Easter. And so uh, there was a video of one priest who set up a little confessional area in the parking lot, big parking lot, and the cars would come by one by one and stop parallel to the priest. And, And they would be a good distance from the priest, so they didn't have to shout and wear out their voices and not hear each other. And so they would be on their cell phones, which wouldn't be legitimate if you were calling a priest from home for confession. But they were talking, facing one another, face to face, and just kind of using the cell phone as a microphone between them. And they were absolved, and they drove away, and then the next car came up. Just inventive and creative and extremely beautiful. I don't I don't know of anything wrong with that. Um so, um, and priests that have been walking the streets with the Blessed Sacrament, some from the air, in planes. And I had the news last night that one priest who was walking the streets simply with a crucifix, not even the Blessed Sacrament, by himself was arrested. And I forget what state it was in, obviously not Texas, because it was not considered essential. And he was arrested simply from being outside all by himself with a crucifix. I I think that's going beyond whatever was intended. So, Tanya, I will leave your email now. Thank you for it. You're right in your sentiments. 
Um, and uh, I appreciate your email very much. Um, now, we are almost um, at the end of our program right now, beloved. If I take the next email, we will not get through it. Uh, let me give it a start here. It's from a gentleman in Australia, Jun, J-U-N, um, from Sydney, Australia. Well, Sydney, um, I mean, uh, Jun, sorry. I'm so happy you emailed, and I will take your email first up tomorrow um, because there's the ending music for our program. Beloved, um, raise your children at home. Get, live such a holy life that your spouse, if he or she is not Catholic, will want to become Catholic, and if they are, will want to live a more holy life. How do you spread your faith through your home to your children? Number one, love. Number one, love. Not compromise on moral situations, but speaking the truth in love every minute that you breathe. God bless you, beloved. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.